First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Tonight's video is brought to you by ChillFrog CBD. ChillFrog CBD is providing the most effective, highest value products to help people responsibly and naturally find their chill in this incredibly stressful world. Everything you purchase from ChillFrog CBD is organic, premium quality ingredients made in the USA with things sourced from the USA as well. It's also an incredibly good value, and it's incredibly accessible to those who haven't tried it yet. And if you're nervous about it, ChillFrog makes it very approachable with simple and clear explanations with every order. If it sounds like something you're interested in or just want to try, check out the link at the top of the description and then use code DAVIS30 for 30% off your entire order. And find your chill with ChillFrog CBD. Thanks for the sponsor. And thank you all for listening. Have you ever been truly scared? Now, I'm not talking about some drunk driver cutting you off in traffic, causing you to slam on the brakes and damn near crash into a ditch kind of thing. But that surreal and visceral terror that makes you question what is even real anymore sort of fear. That I'm looking into the eyes of the thing that will end my life kind of horror. Okay, maybe that may be a little on the nose, but you get what I'm saying, right? Even as I write this, my fingers are shivering like it's 20 below in my house. It's been a few days, but I'm still processing it while barely having been able to sleep a damn wink since that night. When I do sleep, just about all I see is those damned eyes cutting their reddened glow through the trees or just one of them peering through my window just waiting for me. Jill and I had met at a party a few months back. We'd spent almost every day together since. The fact that my name is Jack brought our mutual friends a lot of laughs, but it could get annoying at times. My buddy Darren has a cabin out in the woods near Carter's Lake. We were spending a long weekend with him and some of our friends. We did a good bit of hiking over those days, to which we would return to the same jokes practically every damn time. So did Jack and Jill go up the hill? Darren would ask with a smile. God damn it, man. Did both have a buck and a quarter? He squeaked out between chuckles. Yeah, yeah, I came down with 250, ha ha. Jill replied with a sigh. Of course, Darren's wife Sarah, her brother Dane, and his husband Blake all cracked up while I joined my girlfriend in her exhausted sigh. It had been funny the first, what, 20 times or so, but Christ, it was getting old. Still, it had been a fun weekend up to that point, even with endless stream of the same lame punchlines at our expense. The cabin itself was absolutely gorgeous. 
two floors, five bedrooms, each with its own bathroom, a wide wraparound deck with a hot tub and the works. Darren came from a wealthy family, but he never shouted in our faces or anything. I have a basic 9-to-5 gig, and Jill was a nurse, so neither of us had the most comfortable and carefree lifestyle. But it was nice to spend some time amongst the far more financially stable. Not to mention, we were able to stay in this beautiful place rent-free, so membership does have its privileges, I suppose. We've been out there since that Thursday, so we were only two days into our five-day stint at Le Chateau d'Orerin, as he liked to call it. As we approached that Saturday night, my buddy handed me one of his numerous credit cards and asked me if I'd mind making a liquor store run. He told me he'd wanted a bottle of Glenlivet, a few cases of Killen's Irish Red, and whatever else Jill and I may want. Who was I to refuse? He even tossed me the keys to his Hummer, which I'd been dying to take for a spin. The cabin was nestled pretty deep in the woods, and the road that led to and away from it barely qualified as an actual road, but the thick tires of the Humvee handled it so much better than my little Honda. It took me a half mile or so to get the feel for it, especially with it being at least twice the size of my tiny Civic, but before I knew it, Jill and I were hauling ass in the direction of the far better paving of the main road. The sun had already begun its descent for the night, and the liquor store was a good 20 minutes from the highway, 30 or so, counting the bumpy graveled road through the woods, so it would likely be creeping up on 10 by the time we got back. It did feel nice to just spend a little time away from the group, and even better to be sharing the company of my lovely girlfriend. I had never met her before that party, but I was sure I didn't have a chance with her until she approached me. Back then, she had pink hair down to the middle of her back, whereas these days she was rocking a vibrant purple down to her shoulders. It was the full tattoo sleeve and thick-rimmed glasses that grabbed my attention at first, as those are both features that I find absolutely striking, and she wore them so well. I've always been something of a nerd myself, so after we spent a good couple of hours discussing everything from scary movies to anime, I was already on the brink of head over heels. I'm just a shaggy-headed dork from a small town on the other side of the state, so I could never expect to have met someone who checked every single box I looked for in a partner. Sure, we had our share of pointless spats over our short time together, but that only made the makeup sessions so much more exciting. I almost wondered if we had those random disagreements with that factor in mind sometimes, but that may just be me. As we pulled up to the intersection of the highway, that was probably the first time I noticed the sounds. We had the radio blaring for most of the ride, and while we got awfully attempted to sing along, but I've always had a strange habit of turning down the volume at intersections, especially the busier ones. Don't worry, I haven't gotten some long-winded backstory about some five-ton dump truck I didn't hear because the radio was too loud or anything, it's just something I've always done since I started driving. Whatever the reason, that's when I heard the howling, though I'm not entirely sure if that's what I'd call it, to be honest. We'd been hearing plenty of wildlife over the previous days and nights, so I don't know why this one jabbed a fork into my spine, but something about it, I don't know, it felt off somehow. I didn't know if there were any wild dogs or wolves in the area, but I'd heard anything from birds chirping to squirrels squeaking around the cabin. There was the occasional barking, but I just assumed it to be some distant neighbor's pet or something. 
If this wailing, gargled howl did come from a dog, it was from a breed I'd never heard or seen before, and it sounded to be a veritable beast of one, too. Do you hear that? Jill asked, looking as alarmed by the noise as I did. It's freaky, right? I replied, attempting to sound unfazed, regardless of the fact that it sounded as though it came from maybe yards from where we parked, waiting for a break in the traffic. Wounded animal, you think? Maybe so. We'll keep an eye out when we come back, yeah? She just nodded before I turned onto the highway, cranking the radio back up to drown out any other potentially unnerving sounds. I still couldn't say why that random wail got me shaken up so much, in all honesty. For one reason or another, something about it seemed like it was directed at us, if that makes even the slightest bit of sense. It felt like it was threatening us in a way, like the old haunted house movies with Get Out painted across the walls in thick blood dripping down the drywall. Of course, I may well have been overreacting. My mother always told me I was far too imaginative for my own good, so I tried to push it to the side for the time being, while continuing on our quest for a trunk load of booze. As predicted, it was getting close to ten by the time we arrived back at that slender opening to the graveled road, and as much as I enjoyed driving Darren's Hummer, I was ready to kick back and relax. Jill was shifting in her seat, looking equally as tired of being on the road. I raised my hand to turn the volume down on the radio before deciding not to follow through with my intersection ritual for once. Traffic had quietened down considerably, so getting back onto the rougher path went much smoother on that return trip, though I could swear I heard that awful wailing again as soon as the front tires hit the gravel. I was sure it had just been in my head until my girlfriend gave me a sideways glance before wrapping her fingers around my hand, resting on the center console. We didn't verbalize our concerns this time, though our vehicular karaoke had not resumed since we hit the main road a good 40 minutes before. When Jill screamed out after we'd only been back on the road to the cabin for a few minutes, I damn near slammed the Hummer into a tree. Jesus, I yelled, fighting to keep control of the heavy vehicle. Did you see that? Jill asked through heavy breaths. See what? What's wrong? The eyes. Did you see them? What eyes, babe? They were right next to us. Bright red eyes, just... Her words were cut short when another wailing howl echoed from seemingly right behind us. What the fuck is that? I asked, knowing full well my girlfriend had as few answers to give as I did. We were both freaked out while I pressed the pedal down with much more intensity than I felt comfortable with in both a vehicle I wasn't used to as well as a road I didn't know too well. I suspect we were on the same page, though. Neither of us knew what the hell was out there, nor did we particularly want answers to that. I had to pull my hand free from her grasp to focus on keeping the heavy and wide SUV from drifting too far to one side or the other, but the next howl that caused me to jump and scream out sounded as though it was only a few feet from us at most. When something slammed hard into the rear passenger side door, it took everything I had not to wrap the front bumper around the thick trees while causing me to almost lose control of my bladder at the same time. The next wail was far more aggravated than the last, though I didn't exactly have any basis of comparison for what qualified it to seem that way. The next assault this time against the door I sat directly beside forced me to lose my ability to keep the wheels pointed in the right direction, causing us to careen to the right. 
Though there was only an overgrown field alongside the passenger door this time, Jill and I were both yelling out as the wheels bounced across the elongated blades of grass while almost getting lodged in the occasional dip. I still fought to guide us across the less desirable path, hopeful to escape whatever the hell it was that seemed set on tormenting us. That very battle came to a close when one final assault to the left side of the Hummer sent us tumbling across the grass and dirt, ultimately ending with a thickened tree trunk damn near crushing the roof down onto us. We were both shaken, not to mention bruised and bloody. Neither of us seemed to be badly hurt, though it was hard to get a full idea of our injuries hanging by our seatbelts in a half-crushed Humvee. We were trying to make as little noise as possible while we worked to unbuckle ourselves, but I for one was certain that whatever knocked us from the road would be unlikely to leave it at that. Everything around us had fallen almost unnervingly quiet, accentuating every single movement we made to break loose from the belts around us. The smell of the varying types of alcohol filled the cab, almost causing me to feel a little nauseous, even if I hadn't ingested a drop. Over the course of the heavy vehicle rolling, most of the bottles practically blew apart, as well as some of the cans. A mixture of beer, vodka, and whiskey rained across us, but fortunately, the majority of the glass shards didn't make it up front. Jill got herself free before I did, but when I finally had to use my pocket knife to slice through the belt, I almost fell on top of her. She was now laying against the door closest to the ground. I tried to check out her wounds to the best of my ability, but fortunately, they didn't look that bad. She had a small gash across her left eyebrow, a few scrapes across her arms, and a nasty-looking cut across her left shoulder, where it appeared some of the glass from the shattered window of the door, or perhaps the exploding bottles, may have sliced into her. I had a thumping headache, and my right wrist was throbbing, feeling as though it had inflamed a good bit, but I felt fine otherwise, aside from a certain degree of shock setting in. I tried to peer through the windshield to see if I could catch a glimpse of our attacker, but the glass was cracked into spider webs and buckled outward from the roof collapsing in on us. Jill and I were both breathing so heavily that I felt like a panting dog myself, which only flashed me back to the haunting howls of whatever seemed to set on lying us to rest. I crawled into the back seat in an attempt to see if I could make out anything around us. The headlights blinked before snuffing out, leaving us in practically pitch darkness. I worked my way back up front, extending my leg to push the windshield out. The crackling of the glass and the stretching of the rubber ice seal around to provide another series of disturbing sounds against the otherwise silent forest. When the window finally gave way, what was left of it crashed to the ground, causing me to freeze in place while my chest tightened. Jill wrapped her fingers around my arm, causing me to jump from being so on edge at the time that any unexpected sensation was enough to almost make my heart explode. Don't, Jill whispered, whimpering slightly as I reached out to pull myself through the opening I'd just made. We have to, babe. We can't just wait here for whatever that thing is. I felt her grip release, allowing my right arm to join the one that now held onto the window bracket. I was terrified. I wouldn't even attempt to convince myself otherwise, but I knew we couldn't just sit there and wait while hoping for the best. I felt the warped and crushed Hummer rock and tilt as I worked my way out to the field next to the tree line we slammed into. Jill was visibly shivering as I held out my hand to help her out. 
She reluctantly reached out before another one of those haunting wails howled from a direction I couldn't pinpoint. No, I can't, Jill said with tears pouring down her face, pulling back away from me. You have to. I'm not going to leave you here. No, no. You go. Get help. Jill, I'm not about to just fucking leave you here. We have to stick together. I'll protect you. You just... How the fuck can you protect me from something like that? She was bordering on hysterical, belting out her words in between moans and whimpers. To be completely honest, I couldn't deny she had a point. How the hell could I do anything to keep her safe against something that can swat a massive SUV off the road like a fly? I didn't want to leave her behind, but there was no time to debate our situation with some sort of beast toying with us. The whole idea of that still felt almost ridiculous to even consider, but it was the only theory that made any sort of rational sense. Okay, I said, still feeling uneasy about this course of action. You stay here. I'll go get help. She just nodded her head, still trembling all over. Get into the back, behind the seats. Stay hidden and keep as quiet as you can, okay? Another nod as she worked her way into the back, not taking her eyes off of me. I didn't like this. I didn't like leaving her behind, but it would seem I had little choice in the matter. I looked around while fishing in my pockets for my phone. To my amazement, it was still functional, though the screen still had a few cracks. You got yours? I asked. She looked stunned for a moment before leaning back toward the front seat, feeling around for her purse. I crawled halfway back into hell before she finally grabbed onto the strap just in front of where she'd been sitting. She pulled out her untarnished phone, looking back at me with a strained smile. Anything happens, you call me, okay? She let out a heavy and stuttered sigh. <laughs> no service, fucking figures. She chuckled, but it was about as phony as a laugh could sound. God damn it, I said with what felt like an even more forced and falsified giggle. Just go. I'll be okay here. I'll be back as soon as I can, okay? I'll bring help one way or another. She nodded again before. I love you. Passed through her lips. We still hadn't spoken those words to one another, but I can't deny that they had been lingering in my mind for a while now. Of course, I had most certainly hoped for a far better situation to reveal these feelings, but it still made a warmth spread through me I hadn't realized I was lacking from my extremities at the time. I love you too, I said with a far more enthusiastic smile than I knew myself to be capable of. She beamed back at me, and that alone lit a fire under me to find a way to get us both through this in one piece. We just looked at each other for a few more moments, until she shrank away behind the side of the passenger seat. You stay hidden, no matter what, you hear? If it sounds like hellfire is raining down around you, don't even think about coming out. She didn't speak, only raised her upturned thumb from behind the seat back. Were it not for the circumstances, I would have found it sort of cute, but I need reassurance on this. Baby, I need you to promise me 
Yeah, I, uh, I hear you. I promise, whispered from the back. My heart was jackhammering as I turned to face whatever lay ahead of me, still feeling quite lost amongst the foreign surroundings. Fortunately, my eyes had grown somewhat accustomed to the darkness with the crescent moon above lending a hand. I still couldn't figure out why whatever had attacked our vehicle had suddenly taken it upon itself to disappear, but I wasn't about to let my guard down. I gripped the hilt of my pocket knife so tightly I felt as though I would dig my fingernails into the flesh of my palm. I was sure it would offer little protection against something that could so easily force a heavy SUV from the road, but it was my best and only defense at the time. I crept onwards, still trying to remain as quiet as possible, which was no easy task with discarded branches and dried out leaves lining the ground beneath the grass. Even in the open field, I was crossing to seek out the road that led back to the cabin. I had no way of knowing how far I would have to walk to get back there, but I was sure I was closer to that than the highway we left in the dust. When I was finally able to make out the graveled road, the open field led me to another section of dense forest. It was much easier to keep myself concealed behind the trees, but after a good half mile of hiking, I walked out to another wide open area. I've been steadily growing more confident that I may actually survive this when yet another wailing howl echoed across the darkened trees to the left of the road. It was close, far closer than I think I even realized at the time. And though my breathing had begun to settle down over the last handful of yards, I was now on the brink of hyperventilation, frozen in place, erratically cutting my eyes across the trees. It was around that time that I came face to face with a far more visceral and heart-slapping fear than I'd ever imagined possible. It took me a second to realize that the glowing red lights shining from between the trees were the illumination of two eyes peering back into mine. I heard a gnarled, growling sound that came from just below where the twin glowing eyes softly lifted and lowered as though whatever they belonged to was panting with heavy breath. I could feel the blood draining from my face while the nausea of gazing into my mortality churned in my stomach. As the rough growl grew more aggravated, the eyes sunk lower, giving me the image of something preparing to pounce. This is it, I thought. This would be where I meet my end. It happened so quickly that my mind could barely grasp what I was seeing. The rumbling and gargle sound blended with the snapping and shattering of branches and bark when the behemoth burst from the trees right at me. I screamed out, feeling as though the throbbing veins in my temples were about to erupt, squirting a healthy stream of blood to each side. I brandished my small pocket knife as though I were wielding Excalibur itself, when in reality I had a fucking three-inch blade trained on what looked to be about ten feet of darkened fur and muscles speeding right at me. I felt my body soaring backward through the air after a giant hand swatted me across the chest. I knew something was broken when I made contact with the ground, but I was in so much shock I had no way to know what had snapped, only that it hurt like a son of a bitch. I raised my dizzy head to see that thing charging right at me on all fours. It looked like an enormous wolf, though its eyes still shone that eerie glow, illuminated the elongated, wrinkled snout while thick drool slobbered from its gaping maw. I had no time to get back on my feet, so I rolled forward, swinging my pitiful little blade through the air before me, just in time to make contact with something. 
I don't know where on the beast I hit, but it let out an ear-piercing squeal that almost caused me to retch across the grass I perched on. Before I had a chance to react, the thing leaped from before me, disappearing back into the trees. I looked down at my trembling hand to see thick, dark blood dripping from the short blade, along with a chunk of black fur wedged into the hinge of the folding mechanism. Run, you dumb bastard, the voice in the back of my mind yelled out at me, though I still knelt in place with my mind reeling. Fucking move! I lifted myself, feeling no strength from the legs that twitched and shivered before I convinced them to start running. My chest was burning, but I had no time to investigate how strongly the blood was flowing from the gashes left in the wake of the claws that carved through my shirt and skin. Everything hurt from my back to my legs, along with what I assumed to be a broken rib or four, as they stabbed into my insides as I forced myself forward. As my sides split, I almost allowed myself to slow down, until another anguished and angered howl bellowed out from behind me, convincing me to push through the pain that almost caused me to break. The agony had grown almost impossible to tolerate, but I wouldn't let up. Not only had I royally pissed this thing off, but I still had to find a way to get back to Jill, who I prayed to God was still safe. Maybe twenty or thirty feet ahead, I saw a familiar ridge, which, if memory serves, was right at the edge of my friend's property. My painful sprint had slowed considerably, especially since I was now running uphill, hopefully towards salvation. I reached the top of the ridge where the ground leveled back up again to sure enough see the lights from Lao Chateau du Duran, just ahead in the distance. My lungs were practically begging for me to allow them to relax even for a second, but when I heard that growling, panting wheeze coming from behind me accompanied by four heavy feet beating against the surface of the ground, I had to force them to work much harder than I had up until this point. I screamed out through my straining breath, pleading with as much effort as I could for my friends to hear me as I forced one foot in front of the other. There are no words to truly describe either the amount of pain I was in or the true and horrifying fear I was experiencing as I heard those weighted paws trample the earth beneath them. I just kept yelling out and practically squealing the words help me over and over until I finally saw the door open ahead of me. Who the hell is out there? Darren's voice called out. It's Jack! God damn it, help me! Jesus Christ! I heard call out as I neared the cabin with my feral pursuer sounding closer to me by the second. I was so close, but I just knew I would be torn to ribbons by the time I reached the open door. I could feel the foul breath and sticky saliva spritzing across the back of my neck while the jagged bones still worked on ripping through my insides. When I heard the panting only inches from my ear, a gunshot rang out through the night before a second caused another shrieking squeal to wail out from almost right beside me. Just before I fell into the wooden steps of my friend's front deck, I heard those scampering feet quieting more and more as they sped away, back in the direction they had fled from. I stared up at my friends who had all gathered up on the patio, feeling a sense of indescribable gratitude before everything went black. I didn't think I'd been out for long, as I was still pretty winded when my eyes finally blinked back open. Everyone in the house was crowded around where they'd carried me to the cozy couch, and I honestly felt a bit lost for a moment. 
as soon as the recollection of what I'd been running from crashed back into the forefront of my mind like a Humvee colliding with a thick and ancient tree, I sat straight up, instantly wincing from the pain of my likely broken ribs. I gripped my hand around where the agony screened from to find I now had bandages tightly wrapped around me. It did help, though it would seem that was what caused me to still grasp for breath, though not nearly as much as during my race against what I was certain to be inevitable death and dismemberment. I looked down to see blood seeping through from beneath the gauze before looking back up to my friends. How bad is it? Not too bad, Darren said. Can't tell how many rims are broken, but the cuts could have been a lot worse. What was that thing? Sarah asked, rubbing the goose flesh on her arms. I just shook my head. I had no words to offer her, and I had no idea what it was myself. My mind almost wanted to speak the word werewolf, but I still wasn't so fucked in the head that I was ready to believe in such a thing. If I had to wager a guess, given the size of the beast as well as the moon not being remotely full, I don't know, dogman, maybe? I'd heard a rumor sightings of these things close to Tennessee, but I still saw them just to be as fictional as Bigfoot. We called the police, Blake said. There's an ambulance coming too. Where's Jill? Dane asked. I had to give it to my friends, that regardless of the fact that I'd arrived on foot, not even Darren had asked about his vehicle, which I could only hope still contained a safe and healthy Jill. I went on to explain everything that had occurred since I headed out what felt like hours ago by this point. Had it not been for the fact that a couple of them had witnessed the enlarged beast chasing me down, I doubt I could have ever convinced them to believe a word of it. Given the circumstances, I didn't have to ask them to take my words on faith. Darren told me I'd been out for a good half hour, which caused a stab of guilt to hit me in the chest, as I knew my girlfriend had to be beside herself with fear and concern by now. Not to mention I was beyond terrified that the beast had returned to where I left her. I gotta go back out there. I need to go back to her, I said, getting to my feet while pitifully attempting to pretend I was in any fit state to go back to the road. We called 911 as soon as you got inside, Sarah said. They should be here any minute. She's alone out there, I insisted, cutting my eyes to each of my friends one by one. She's alone out there with that thing. Darren rubbed at the top of his head as he often did when he was thinking something over. He was a big and intimidating guy, standing a good 6'4 and substantially more muscled than I. Given his carefree lifestyle, he worked out religiously and had little to no other responsibilities, but even as threatening as he could appear, he looked as scared as I felt about the idea of leaving the house. Have you tried to call her? he asked. We didn't have any service down there. It's worth trying anyway. I pulled out my phone and clicked on her icon, only to get her voicemail message after what felt like an internal ringing. Just hearing her recorded voice on the other end was enough to convince me to attempt to go back to her, regardless of whether or not the police were right around the corner. I looked back up at Darren, shaking my head when I couldn't reach her while painfully getting back to my feet. I can't wait, man, I said, still shaking my head. Yeah, he said, nodding his head while glancing at his wife and back to me. I got your back, brother. 
I'll come too, Blake said, with Dane agreeing he would also join us. No sense in all of us going, Darren said. Dane, you stay here. Keep an eye on things until the cops show up. Cool? Dane and Blake were both pretty stocky as well, with the latter half playing football through high school and college, only to have an injury put into its dreams of making a career out of it. Honestly, my five foot ten, hundred and sixty five pound ass looked like a kid next to the other guys of our humble little group of friends. I would joke from time to time that I could still kick their collective asses as I'd seen a good share of scraps in my younger years, but even I couldn't take myself seriously on that one. It would usually bring us a lot of laughs, but there was no levity in the room that night. I didn't feel great about leaving Dane and Sarah behind to fend for themselves if that thing worked its way back to the house, but they were likely far safer there than where we were headed. Darren had quite the impressive collection of firearms, a few of which we would bring along for our ride out into the night. Both of the friends we left behind had learned how to shoot with a decent degree of accuracy over the years, but I couldn't predict how our mutually trembling limbs would affect that. I was hopeful that would not be put to the test, but... That was wishful thinking at best. If the police show up while we're gone, tell them where we're headed, Darren said to his visibly shaking wife, to which she returned a nod and a strained smile. I trained the AR-15 my friend handed me out into the night with the mounted flashlight beaming across the trees while we loaded up into Blake's truck. As we headed back out into the gravel road, I felt my pulse throbbing against the flesh of my wrist and neck while I continued to glare out the window of the back seat in search of glowing red eyes between the trees. Every bump in the road almost caused me to jump as my mind revisited this sensation of being forced into the overgrown field we were now looking for, but I could only hope that Jill was still awaiting my return. We were only a couple of minutes into our quest when we noticed the flickering blue lights ahead. For the briefest moments, this gave me some semblance of hope, but that was to be short-lived when we arrived at the police car. It had been flipped over onto its roof, halfway off to the side of the road. The lights still strobed from the front grille, but those on top had been crushed, along with the most of the upper frame. I think every one of us lost access to our ability to breathe as we looked upon the wreckage with deep gashes torn into the fiberglass frame of the car. Given that it was on its roof, half on and half off the road, guiding the large truck around it would be no easy task, but we also had to ensure if anyone had survived the attack. I wanted nothing more than to get back to my girlfriend, but the chances of making it to her were growing slimmer by the moment. We gotta check it out. Darren said, attempting to hide the quaking in his voice. I'll go, you guys. You beat this shit, man. I got this, he continued, already cracking open the passenger side door. I'll come with, Blake added, cranking the column shifter into neutral. It's your truck, man. You should stay. Let me... Dude, someone has to stay with the truck, and you're in no fit state to help if anyone is still in there. Take the wheel and ram the shit out of that thing if it shows up, okay? I wasn't a fan of this plan by any means, but he wasn't wrong. If they ended up having to pull anyone out of the wrecked police car, not only were my friends considerably stronger than I, but I was even more weakened at the time. I reluctantly climbed down from the back seat, taking my place at the helm after Blake got out with his shotgun in hand. If there's nobody inside, don't linger. Worst case, maybe we can shove it to the side of the road with the bumper.
yeah, it wasn't the most reaffirming thing to say, but I just needed to add something. I felt almost useless at the time, but I still wanted to help. Had it not been for the fact I was the only one who had an idea where the Hummer was currently located, I likely would have been left back at the cabin, but I had to believe we could pull off this piss-poor attempt at a rescue. They got alongside the half-crushed car, and while Blake kept his gun trained at the trees, Darren peered inside. He shone a flashlight through the buckled windshield before backing up and giving a shrug. He shook his head to our mutual friend before looking back at me, shrugging once more. As I headed back toward where I sat, with my back stiff as a board and my ribs throbbing, gunshots echoed from somewhere ahead before a blood-curdling scream followed only seconds later. The guy sprinted back to the truck while I slid out to leave the driver's seat vacant for its pilot. Without a word, Blake pushed the pedal down, ramming his bumper against the overturned car. At first, it spun in its place before a second caused it to skid off the embankment, finally clearing enough room for us to pass. We didn't waste any time before speeding in the direction from where the scream still lingered in the air, though we did not speak a word as we were all in a similar state of reluctance and fear. Were it not for the fact that we had nowhere else to go but back to the cabin, I'm sure we would not have felt the urge to seek out the source of the gunshots. Unfortunately, we knew this was leading us straight back to the belly of the beast, while hopefully not so. I think we all gasped at the same time when the headlights shone across the body that was lying in the middle of the gravel road. Well, what remained of the body anyway? Blake slammed on the brakes, causing the heavy truck to almost slide right into the mutilated torso of what was once an officer of the law. Given the fact that all that was left of the poor bastard was the upper left half of his body, a grizzled and torn left arm and a head that no longer had a jaw attached, we would have done no more harm to the guy if we had skidded the tires right across him. Somehow I think the sound of the remains crunching and cracking under the wheels would have made every one of us lose the meals we were collectively fighting to keep in our guts at the time. Blake was heaving for breath while Darren shook his head from side to side, muttering under his breath words I couldn't make out. We need to move, man, I said, trying to snap my friend out of his seemingly frozen state. Blake, we need to... My words were cut short by something heavy landing on the bed of the truck, causing the back tires to burst under its weight. Before any of us had a chance to react, well, other than screaming at the top of our lungs, glossy black and sharpened claws dug through the roof of the truck, quickly pulling back and tearing the cab open like a damn sardine can. Without a word, each of us threw open our doors, running for the woods on either side, with an echoing gnarled howl wailing out from behind. As Darren made for the tree line on one side, Blake and I headed for those on the left. I looked back to see the beast turning to face Darren, preparing to pounce. Just as I raised my gun to unload on it, Blake fired his shotgun, cocked it once, and then fired again, each shot tearing into the fur and flesh of the creature. In less than a fraction of a second, it leaped from the flattened truck bed, slamming against and snapping the thick bark of the tree Blake tried to hide behind. I spun to point the barrel of my gun at the thing before it pulled back as a cloud of splinters and shrapnel rained down upon me. It straightened back out, holding my friend by the head, who wriggled and whimpered, desperate to break free from the tight grip. I tried to get a clear shot, but my arms were shivering so aggressively that I feared I would inadvertently fire into the flesh of his hostage. 
each of the five claws pierced into the flesh, leaking fresh blood around them. As the creature held Blake outstretched before him, I finally steadied my aim as much as I could, training the barrel on the beast's feet. When the gunfire echoed from the other side of the road, I felt my heart skip with a degree of hope. Darren landed a barrage of bullets on the monster, but his assault was cut short as blood spurted from the immense hand that held Blake by the head before he was launched forward towards Darren, flattening them both to the ground beside the tree line. There was a brief moment of relief when I saw Blake meet Darren on the bumpy ground beside the tree line. Of course, the feeling did not last long. Before I turned my eyes back to the crushed, dismembered head still firmly held between the monster's clawed fingers while I stood there, rooted to the ground, staring blankly up at the beast, I finally took in the sight of what I was sure would be the last thing I saw in this life. It stood at least ten feet tall on its hind legs, though I wasn't always the best judge of such things. The entirety of its bulky, muscular body was lined in a thick black fur, but I could still make out the wide, pulsing veins across its enormous arms. Its head was similar to a wolf or a dog, but far more sinister in its features. Furrowed and wrinkled brow, drooling mouth filled with sharp yellow teeth, dripping with the same shade of ruby red that spilled from where Blake's head used to connect to his neck, with half of what looked to be his spine dangling from it. It stood on equally as bulging legs as its arms, but they were far more animalistic than its upper half, which was far more human in its contours. The scarlet glow from the creature's eyes carved into the darkness, accentuating its feral expression, making it appear even more ravenous as it stared me down. Its entire body flexed with every deep inhale and exhale, making it appear as though it was quite ready to enjoy the fresh meal that trembled before it. As it glared down at me, I collapsed to the ground with the realization my life was about to end, causing my legs to feel weakened and numb. I stared out to meet the beast's eyes, filled with that illuminated fury, and I knew I would never see the outside of these woods again. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. The bullets that had been fired from Darren's gun left oozing holes across the beast's chest, arms, and back, but it seemed unfazed by any of them, regardless of how such a thing had caused it to flee only a little while before. It was at that point I knew it had to be fucking with me this whole time. If at least six bullets didn't so much as cause it to wince, a single shot would never have forced it to retreat, nor the pitiful swat of my pocket knife. I looked over to my friends, one of whom had already fallen to this horrendous creature, and other seemingly passed out beside him. I hoped he was just sleeping it off anyway. I almost jumped out of my skin when the giant hand finally released its trophy to the ground before echoing its stomach-churning howl across the still forest. This is it. 
I thought, as I sat on the grass, unable to convince my legs to do any more than just shiver beneath me. I had no idea why it hadn't finished the job yet, but I could only assume it enjoyed the scent of fear, along with what my bladder released some moments before. I couldn't help but wonder if it wanted to allow me a moment to fully appreciate what would be putting my life to a grisly end this night. Perhaps it wasn't quite ready for the festivities to come to an end just yet. Hell, maybe the fucker was just a little winded after flipping cars and tearing its victims apart. How the hell could I even think about figuring out what was going on in that monstrous noggin? I could feel rage setting in, both at what he had done to my friend, as well as the torment it had put me through. Yes, I was screwed and I knew it, but I would be damned if I was just going to sit there and take it. Sure, this was likely to end only one way, with my blood blending into the crimson puddles that already lined the road and grass, but I had one goal in mind at the time. One simple thing I wanted to accomplish before I coughed out the blood from my own strewn-apart chest cavity. I wanted to take at least one of those glowing eyes from the beast, maybe even both if I had the strength left before the end. As I slowly lifted myself from the ground, my enemy hunched over slightly, seemingly in preparation to pounce. My heart was jackhammering again, but I had achieved a certain degree of resolve now that I had to accept my fate, so I wasn't about to back down. It looked a little startled when I began to charge to it, lifting my gun to unleash another assault of gunfire into its fur-lined flesh. It roared out while crouching down before leaping into the air upwards and towards me. I didn't let up on my attack, training the barrel of my gun on him as he soared through the night air right at me. Having kept it in my sights the whole time, I managed to jump to one side before it slammed hard into the ground, burying its clawed paws into the dirt. I still wouldn't stop, not until the clicking of the trigger signified I had spent my load, causing an all-too-familiar panic to reawaken within me. Yes, I had riddled the beast with holes, each of which leaked and squirted darkened fluids across the matted fur, but I hadn't even remotely slowed it down. Once more I got to my feet, still wielding the empty gun like a worthless shield before sprinting toward the snarling beast again. As soon as I got close enough, I swung the stock of the gun right at it, managing to catch it across its jaw. It gave a satisfying yelp before it swatted at me with its claws, outstretched, tearing through the flesh on my shoulder like a hot knife through butter. I screamed more from the sound of the deep gashes being carved into my tissue as the wounds themselves went numb almost immediately, as did the feeling of the fingertips on my left hand. I attempted to raise the arm but could barely get it to twitch, let alone move. The blood gushed from the four deep rips which had surely torn through tendons and arteries alike. If nothing else, I thought, maybe I'll bleed to death before I get shredded to ribbons. I gave an exhausted chuckle while backing away from the beast who still had my blood and skin pasted to its fingers. It stalked toward me with its hand outstretched as though it sought to rub it in my face that had cut me deep. I continued my lifeless giggle while feeling around behind me with my one functioning arm, hoping to be able to guide some sort of path to escape. When my back followed my fingers against the thick trunk of a tree, I laughed harder than before as the madness of my impending death caused my mind to shatter. The beast cocked its head to one side, stopping into place to glare at me. 
It appeared to be studying me as though it had never observed such a reaction from any of its prey. Just do it, you piece of shit, I said through gritted teeth and between my pointless laughs. Naturally, the beast ignored my words, though it crouched down onto all fours to face me directly. It still wore that furrowed and seemingly angered brow, but those glowing red eyes peered into mine as though it were curious in some way. As we gazed upon one another, I felt my own brow wrinkle while I allowed the smile to widen across my face. Yes, I was certain my bloody demise was only moments away, but the bastard didn't even realize it had given me a chance to achieve my one final goal. I tilted my head this time, hoping to let my face be committed to the monster's memory before I quickly carved my pocket knife directly into its right eye. It felt as though it popped as I attempted to force it deeper, hoping to pierce right into the goddamn brain pan. Darkened, pus-like fluid spewed out across my hand while a squealing howl shrieked out from its gaping maw. It jerked back before swatting at me again, sending me soaring across the air to the bark of yet another tree. The impact caused my head to spin while the shrill wail of the beast caused my stomach to empty everything I consumed over the past few days. It was a sound unlike anything I'd ever heard or could even hope to describe with any degree of accuracy. I was only vaguely aware of the new injuries from the collision with the thick trunk while I retched across the forest floor. I attempted to hold my body up with my one good arm, feeling as though it was filled with more gelatin than bones while lifting my head to glance back toward where I had fled from. The beast had rolled onto its back, clutching its enlarged hands over the spewing socket. I took the opportunity to force myself back to my trembling legs once again before weaving in and out between and around the trees of the dense woods. I could feel my body weakening, and I was sure I was in far more pain than the shock would allow me to admit, but I still had to attempt to track down where I left my girlfriend. I was still certain I would not survive this, especially with my body growing colder by the second, likely due to the copious amounts of blood that still leaked from my shredded shoulder, but I had to reach her. Had I the slightest ability to second-guess my actions at the time, I may have realized that if I should find her... I would have likely led the creature right to her, but my common sense had spurted from my open wounds as much as whatever life force I had left. As I continued my escape, I pulled off my belt, wrapping it around my ruined shoulder. I bit down in an attempt to muffle my scream as I tightened the leather down, though I had little doubt the beast could still smell my blood and piss-soaked jeans, even if I could remain silent. It wasn't until the trees gave way to that wide open field again that I knew my time was running short. I had still been aware of the moans and whines of the beast as I sped away from it, but those agonizing sounds had now been replaced by noises filled with pure and exhilarated rage. If I'd had anything left in my stomach or bladder, the splitting and shattering woods a ways behind me would have caused every ounce of it to spray across the long grass. I still kept pushing forward, refusing to look back until I heard one last tree topple to the ground only some feet behind me. I finally stopped in place, realizing I was at the end of my journey while I felt whatever blood I had left drain from my face. I turned to see the behemoth standing directly at the tree line, panting heavy breaths while staring me down with its only functioning eye. 
I can't exactly say its facial expressions were in any way relatable, but I suspect there was nothing short of pure hatred etched across the one I stared into. I clenched my fists, preparing to face the inevitable, as the thing took long strides on its hind legs toward me. My heart was in full panic mode, feeling as though it was fit to burst, but I knew there was no point in running. I did enough. I thought, as I allowed a smirk to reach across my lips while gazing into the lone, red glowing eye. I even chuckled again, but it didn't quite pique the curiosity of the creature this time. It just kept drawing closer, hunching over as it approached, spreading out the clawed fingers to strike the second the gap was close enough. I left my mark on you, you piece of shit, I said, smiling wider and more maniacal. How's that lack of death perception treating you? I shouted, laughing like a madman. That's right, buddy boy. You'll never forget my sorry ass, will you? It released a high-pitched snarling howl that almost turned my hair white, damn near causing my legs to give out beneath me again, but I stood my ground. I wouldn't give it the satisfaction of showing my fear, not if I could help it anyway. Give me your best shot, you little bitch. I fucking dare... The instant it happened, I barely had a chance to even register it. The beast was almost right on me, crouching down even further than before as though it meant to snatch me up and launch us both from the ground. When I heard the explosive sounds of multiple gunshots in succession, I almost thought it was my eardrums rupturing from my head being crushed at first. I cut my eyes to where the shots came from, just in time to see Darren, next to what looked to be another police officer, both unleashing their weapons on the thing before it leaped from before me to where they stood. Run, Jack! My friend yelled out as the thing swiped its hand across him before digging claws into the side of the cop. I wanted to move, but my legs wouldn't budge. I stood, rooted in place, horrified at the sight of the officer's left arm being peeled away from his shoulder like the wings of a fly, spraying thick blood and strips of shredded tissue over my friend. His squealing scream echoed across the field before the yellowed and jagged teeth gouged into his throat, turning the shrill sound into no more than a gargled whimper. Darren had dropped to the ground and was sliding away from the horrendous sight with his chest heaving blood from the quartet of deep, grizzled gashes across him, trying to force the hand which held his gun up from the gravel. The creature let out another awful howl as it dropped the limp body of the fallen cop to the ground. The fresh corpse made a moistened slapping sound when it hit, which finally allowed me to take control of my legs again. I ran toward the road as the beast stalked toward my friend. It appeared in no hurry to get him, as it had left Darren quite the mess already. It almost looked as though it was taunting him, snapping its jaws and growling as it drew closer. Time slowed around me as I approached the road while the monster reached down to pull my friend from the ground. I was only vaguely aware of the new sounds at first, as the only thing I could focus on was the large, fur-lined hand wrapping around both of Darren's legs as it lifted him from the gravel. I could hear my friend screaming, his own tormented howl, while the beast tightened the fist which held the twins' shins, crushing the bones within to little more than a fragmented pulp. I cut my eyes across the road in search of the gun the cop had been discharging into the horrendous monstrosity when a flickering stream of blue lights brought my attention back to the real world. The growing sound that accompanied my friend's anguished screams was that of multiple sirens drawing closer by the second. 
The monster had no chance to react, as it was only paying attention to its prey. When the armored grill of the police car made contact with the legs of the beast, I witnessed its bones snapping backward before it tumbled across the hood and into the windshield of the car. I ran to Darren as he slipped free of the creature's grasp, tumbling off to the side of the road. More gunfire erupted, along with a variety of growls and whines. There were tearing sounds of both cloth and something leather-like being sliced through, but it all faded into the background as I sped to Darren's side. From what I could tell, he was unconscious, but still alive. The four gnarled rips across his chest and stomach were gushing blood, and his legs hung limply to each side below the knee, but I did whatever I could to shield him from the battle being waged on the road. Over what felt like minutes, the sounds of veritable war, anguished screams, and guttural growls thinned out to only moans and whimpers. Voices called out to one another, into and out of radios, while I felt a blanket being draped over my back. I don't know how long I just sat there with my mind reeling from the shock of that night's events, while the paramedics worked on doing what they could for Darren. More vehicles were lining up behind those who had initially arrived on the scene, but it was all a blur to me. That was until I finally remembered why we came back out here in the first place. Without so much as speaking a word to any of the police or medics, I charged back toward where I hoped the wrecked Humvee would still be resting. Some voices called out from behind me, but I wouldn't stop. I had to get to her. I had to know if she was still there. It took little time to arrive back to the large SUV, still practically wrapped around the thick tree. The fact that we'd been this close this whole time caused my heart to race once more. As soon as I got there, I slammed my hand against the hood before attempting to crawl back through the busted-out windshield. Jill? Baby, I'm here. Please tell me... I don't know if the sight of her raising her hand out from behind the driver's seat as I pulled myself through the opening made my heart settle more or beat even harder. As soon as I wrapped my fingers around hers, her beautiful face peered out next to it. Are you okay? I asked, still heaving for breath while an officer and a medic gently pushed me to the side to help her out of the buckled vehicle. She just nodded with her eyes welling up. She cut her eyes to my blood-soaked shoulder and then back into mine. Are you all right? I am. I am now. I didn't come out, she said, wrapping her arms around my neck while tears streamed down her face. Even when it sounded like hellfire was raining down on me. Like I said in the beginning, it's only been a few days since that night and I still don't quite have my mind right. My shoulder is still pretty messed up, but my doctor is confident I can at least get partial mobility back. I got to come back home yesterday, and Jill and I are already talking about moving in together soon. I'm so glad she managed to avoid all the madness of that night, but she's been my rock since then. God knows I would have completely broken without her by my side. Darren is still in the hospital, but his prognosis looks decent. The gashes across his torso were deep, but luckily they didn't shred anything too important. His legs, though, will never be the same. They had to take the right below the knee, and the damage was far too extensive, but after the surgeries, they managed to save the left. He's holding up surprisingly well, but 
he and I both have some serious physical and psychological therapy to look forward to. Of course, I'll take all that over the alternative. Dane will likely be recovering from the loss of his husband for quite some time. We're all pretty messed up about it, but nobody can deny that he was a damn hero. I know he would have never survived without his help, and neither would Darren. Blake was a good man, and I don't think we'll ever forget him, but I truly hope Dane will see the other side of these hard times. He deserves better than this. Regardless of all who fell, while attempting to put an end to the Beast of Carter's leg, I believe it's still out there. The battle was brutal, claiming the lives of a total of four officers while leaving several more with scars that will never fade, but I think we at least heard it. From what I told, the creature leaped back into the trees after putting up a fight that nobody expected to survive, but it left a lot of blood in its wake. Yeah, they heard it, but I was the one who took something from it. I can neither ask nor expect anyone to believe any of this. There were no reports of what took place out in those woods that night, and some government officials made us sign some non-disclosure forms where practically swearing on a stack of Bibles that we never speak a word about what we saw, but I've never been much of a religious man. To my knowledge, they're still out there investigating those awful events and possibly attempting to hunt down the beast, but I doubt it'll turn out how they'd like, one way or another. I still hear it at night. Sounds of the beast as well as the screams of its victims. I close my eyes and it's as if that guttural howl is calling out from behind the glass of my bedroom window. Jill says she doesn't hear it, so it's likely a little more than some insignificant mental scarring. Still, even though I live a good life many miles away from where we spent that ill-fated weekend now and then, I see one single glowing red eye blinking from the darkness. Maybe it's just all in my head, but perhaps... I haven't seen the last of the Dogman of Carter's Lake. From what I've read online, these sightings come in cycles, so I can only hope that this one has come to a close. Of course, it's very possible that this was only the beginning. Hey everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. I know I did. I thought it was really fun, really interesting. Um, if you have any kind of like cryptid or urban legend stories from where you live, I'd love to hear them in the comments section down below. While you're writing that, I'm going to give a quick thank you to all of our $5 patrons and members. Absinthe Alice, Amethyst, Amet, Ann Barry, Bubbly Panda, Carolyn, Christina Smith, CT, Deborah Tychus, Elizabeth Watkins, LSG, Furious Weasel, If In Doubt Flat Out, Jennifer Dameron, Jesse Jess Jess, Justindia Zaromsky, Karen Parrott, Kat, Kathy Flanning, Lee Riggs, Laura, Lindsay Pruitt, Melody Evans, Melissa Berwick, Mindy Bannon, Moon Potato, Nicholas Moore, Nora, Nova Nocturne, Patricia Rodea, PJ Masks, Ray Clegg, Sentinel, The New On 24, Tiger Princess, Tish Love, Triumph, a victorious step. Thank you all so, so much for the continued support. If you want your name shouted out at the end of the video, just become a $5 member or a patron. 
Um, if you just want videos a day or two early in advance, you can become a $1 member or a $1 patron. It's greatly, greatly appreciated, and it really, really helps out. And finally, to those who are going to celebrate, I hope you have a very safe and a very fun 4th of July. To everyone else, I hope you have a wonderful night, evening, or day as well. Take care, everyone, and as always, stay safe out there.